This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. And if you want to join in on the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode or any other, please join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Mike Sussman, writer and producer of Star Trek Enterprise, and you're listening to Warp 5 on Trek FM. Welcome, boomers, to another episode of Warp 5, Trek FM's dedicated enterprise show. I'm Floyd Dorsey, and I'm joined by Warp 5's chief engineer, Brandon Shea Matala. How's it going, Brandon? I'm doing pretty darn good. I'm feeling I'm feeling lucky tonight. I'm feeling smart. I'm feeling all revved up for my trivia. I, d- I don't feel, I don't, I'm not feeling my Trek trivia stuff going on here, so I'm, I'm drinking a blue beverage over here, you know, or... Maybe some Tranya. Maybe I need to bring some Tranya in to get my get my get my Trek trivia juices flowing here to get caught up. Well, why don't we start you off with something easy? Okay, we'll start you off with a nice easy trivia question here. What is Captain Jonathan Archer's first name? Hmm. Let me think here. Uh, I guess I'll just I'll save that one for later. I'm gonna put that in in for later because I'm pretty sure you're not gonna give me points for that. So I'm gonna save that. All right. (laughs) I'm gonna I'm gonna save that until we until I know there's points on the board. So yeah, boomers. Uh, if you don't get a little hint on that, we are actually for this show we have a special treat lined up for you. Brandon Shea and I are welcoming a couple of new guests to Warp Five, and they are a package duo that you may have already heard somewhere else on their own show. So to help us talk some enterprise and to tackle some trivia, we have the hosts of Trek Geeks podcast. Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. Welcome to Warp 5, Bill and Dan. Thank you so much. It is great to be here, guys. Thanks for having us on. Oh, we're happy to have you here. It's nice to have it's nice to have company all the time. We like having the people over. It gives us an excuse to bring out the good China. (laughs) (laughs) I can't be trusted with China. I usually use paper plates. That's because um, I'm I'm accident prone. Yeah. I am the bull in the china shop, I guess you could say, so it might not be a good idea for me either. Well, I'll be just putting away these plates now then, and I'll be getting the uh, the old Dixie cups out. Very good. So, uh, boomers, if you, we always like to get see you can get in on the conversation with you. So, if you would like to join in with us, you can always make your comments or answer some questions or ask us questions about the episode. Just go to the Babel Conference, uh, Trek FM's Facebook listeners group. Go to Facebook, search for Babel B A B L, and you can join right in, get in on all the fun. So. Um, that's the place to find us. So, and we'd love to hear your comments, see your comments, read your comments. 
You can even leave us a voicemail when you go to speakpipe.com. So just to get us going here, get started off on the right foot, I always like to ask new guests about their history with Star Trek and Enterprise. So I want to ask both of you, how did you become fans of Star Trek? Let's start with you, Bill. Well, I was a uh, I was a child growing up in southern New Hampshire in the 1970s, and my older brother and I, he was about nine years older than I was at the time, he always wanted to watch Star Trek at 6 p.m., and I always wanted to watch The Six Million Dollar Man. And so kind of a, a battle of the century would ensue every night just before dinner on who was going to watch what. And because he was my older brother, he usually won. And uh, I secretly became a fan of, of Star Trek, and uh, I didn't tell him for years, <laughs> of course, because that would mean I'd have to admit he was right. But, um, you know, I, I cut my teeth on those, you know, TOS episodes in syndication pretty early on. I want to say about 1975. And uh, since then, it's just been love. Yep. Like, I have a very similar story. So, Dan, how did, how did you come about on Star Trek? Because, I mean, I heard... I was I was pretty I was told that you two are Trek, you know, fans. So I had to assume that you are here. So how did you become a fan? Oh yeah, it's actually uh, quite a similar story uh, as Bill's was. Um, it involved my brother when I was growing up. We're the same age. I lived in Southern New Hampshire as well. And instead of Six Million Dollar Man, I wanted to watch things like Gilligan's Island or The Brady Bunch on Channel Fifty Six out of Boston. And since he was the older brother. Star Trek was on, I think it was on Channel 38. I don't even remember what channel it was on, but of course, he won as well. Uh, vivid memories. First thing I ever remember about Star Trek was the Gorn. Scared the crap out of me. Didn't like the show. I thought it was ridiculous. But over time, because I had to watch it all the time, because I couldn't watch my shows, I started to like it more and more. And I really deep dove into being a fan when Star Trek The Motion Picture actually came out. People who criticize the motion picture, I'm like, no, that's the one that started it for me. Uh, and as things gone, went on, I became more and more of a fan. And then when my brother went off to college, I took all the Star Trek stuff out of his room and put it in my room. <laughs> Very good. Yep, finders keepers, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So when did you realize that you liked Enterprise, Dan? Um, it, It's funny. I, I, I think I liked Enterprise right off the bat. Um, I was one of the ones who was really a little concerned about how this was going to be the first series that took place in the past of the Star Trek universe that we know, and the technology and the ship would look so much better than it did than the one in the 60s and so forth, but I was able to kind of push that away and just enjoy it. Um, I really, really started enjoying it, I think, um, when the Zindi arc hit, but I will say that I'm not a huge fan of the Zindi arc, so it's kind of a, it's kind of funny that that's when I really started appreciating it. I thought the Zindi arc kind of was a little bit too big, but I'll tell you what, it just pained me to see them go off the air uh, too soon because season four was just fantastic, and I was so into late season three and the entire season four, uh, but it really started for me, I think, during the Zindi arc when I really started appreciating what they were doing. I got a question for you on that, Dan, because I kind of realized this this week here. Looking at Star Trek Discovery now, because this is really the first night that we've recorded podcast for Warp 5 since Discovery started airing. Um, to me, the type of storytelling arc that they're doing on Discovery right now is very similar to this type of storytelling arc that they did during season three of Enterprise, where it's not quite the Game of Thrones style 
uh, where it's an epic arc, there's a contained episode with threads that are going out from it. And that's kind of how they did season three. And that's how I really feel they're doing discovery. There's a self-contained episode, but there's these few little tendrils that are sticking out that are going throughout the season. What do you think of that? That's interesting because I actually kind of think a little bit opposite of that. I kind of feel that Discovery is a Game of Thrones, Walking Dead type of story where it's just a, a one big arc where there are some standalone things going on at the time. But the thing for Enterprise that was hard for me to, to really grasp onto at the time of the Zindi arc, I think the thing that always kind of bothered me and made me think this way is because there were eight species of Zindi. And that got very confusing with all the different things going on with the weapon and who was what and aquatic and insectoids and all that kind of thing. Um, for me, watching Discovery, and I have tried to do the comparison of the Zindi arc along with watching Discovery, Discovery is much more broader and easier to follow, at least for me right now, whereas the Zindi arc kind of had me confused at times and felt that they were packing way too much stuff into individual episode, episodes during that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still, still good, though. <laughs> yeah. And good to know that you have already failed one of my questions for Stump the Geek. There's 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 five <laughs> Zindi that are still alive and one species that's extinct. <laughs> He's not okay, that bright. Like, jot that down. I thought there were eight. I've always thought there were eight. See, you it know, was confusing. Now, I'm you confused. Know, that actually was, I think, the bonus in the first or second ever round of Stump the Geek we played on Trek Geeks. <laughs> and he didn't get it then either. Just, just I don't for learn clarity. much. You don't say. <laughs> there was the reptilians. There was the Arboreals, there was the Flintstones and the Jetsons. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Rubbles. Don't forget them. <laughs> the Cramdons. <laughs> Ralph Cramden. The Nortons, yep. Yeah. Who are the, Who is that musician band like that with the, the Greeblies? The what? <laughs> was it, who are those weird-looking wow. neighbors that the Flintstones had, like those monster neighbors? The, were they oh, the Greeblies? Wow. I forget. That, that's a deep cut right there. <laughs> I was about to say, dude, that's like four years old deep right there. Yeah. Oh, well, they're just getting—they're just getting to those new episodes in Canada. So, you know, it's uh, it's amazing. Oh it's man, amazing. we got running water last week. <laughs> wow. So, uh, Bill, when did you realize that you were a fan of Enterprise? I would have to say, right with Broken Bow. You know, I um, I didn't really have any concerns about you know them doing a. I hate using the term prequel because. I really don't like to think those exist in the Star Trek universe because Star Trek can tell great stories in any era of the timeline. But um, I, if I had to sit through that promo that UPN ran all summer long with that that song from The Calling, I think I was going to throw a brick through my television. So by the time I got to Broken Bow, I was really ready for some Star Trek, and it didn't disappoint. And I think it just continued to deliver from there. It was it was fun to enjoy the ride with the show, as opposed to feeling, you know, uh, Deep Space Nine was a, a bit of a, a mental investment from the get go. You had to suspend some disbelief from the the perfection of TNG, and and Voyager was kind of like lost in space for Star Trek to some degree. You know, they're alone, they're across the galaxy, they got to get home. So this was a chance to explore again, and that's really what drew me to it. Night one. Let me uh, let me jump in. One thing I wanted to say, guys, as Bill was talking, I wanted to to um, mention is is as much of a um, a fan as I was at the time that Enterprise was on. I kind of drifted away from it for a little while, but I got to tell you, I'm going to do my weekly plug for H and I that I have up here in <laughs> uh, in Maine. Having that on every night 
and being able to rewatch those episodes, just it, it's amazing how good that series actually was. And anybody who hasn't seen it in a while and wants to get back into it, I really don't think you're going to be disappointed. It's really great. Bacula's so good. Mm-hmm. Do they pay you for those plugs? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> I think there's a reason for that. <laughs> and then before we go too far here, I'm just going to hit share screen on my uh, computer here and... Uh... The Gruesomes. Oh, oh I remember them now. <laughs> yep. Wow. Wow. That's uh, wow. Yeah. Kind of, kind of like the Adams family meets the Flintstones. Yes. Yeah, I actually had a thing where I, during college, and even maybe in high school, I wasn't really, I didn't, I didn't really realize I was a fan until after I got out of college. I guess you know, like I missed Deep Space Nine, and I missed the end of TNG. And when I got out of college, it was the same situation that you're talking about, Dan, where sci-fi channel did the special edition of the original series in 1998. And that's when I went all in and I've Mm -hmm. been going all in again, you know, and it kind of got, got, got me going again from when I was younger. Right. And then I caught the end of Voyager and then I caught all the reruns of Voyager that was coming on. And then I was right into enterprise and, but yeah, that it's kind of funny that you say, you know, on those reruns, because I mean, that's how I got started too with the original series was his reruns mm-hmm. back in the seventies. But yeah, that's cool. There was a, um, there was a literal bleep moment for me with enterprise, which really, I think got me to concentrate on it a lot more. And that is the episode, the world war two episode, uh, the little arc that they had because my dad used to have a P 51 Mustang and we used to fly in it when I was a kid and the episode where the P 51s are shooting at the shuttle. That's when I knew that that was going to be an awesome series. And I just love watching that scene over and over and over again. Cool. Cool. Okay. So what, who would you say is your favorite character, Dan? Oh, without a doubt, my favorite character on Enterprise is Dr. Phlox. Uh Billingsley is just a genius in that role. Uh, he has great humor. He has great compassion for the crew. Uh, and he's the optimism captain of the world. I just love him. Um, he's always good in just about every scene that he does. And Billingsley himself, I've seen him in other things since Enterprise, and he's always been just brilliant. So... I, I mean, it's without question, uh, Flox was my favorite character. Cool. So, Bill, who would you say is your favorite? It's kind of evolved. I think at first it was probably Hoshi, because for me, Hoshi was all of us. You know, she was the person who wasn't so sure and still had some trepidation to go out into space, even though she really wanted to be there. But it was still kind of fearful, you know, especially in those early episodes where she starts freaking out about things. And then as it evolved, I have to say it probably became to Paul, because I really appreciate Jolene's portrayal of that character there's an understated emotion for me that kind of permeates you know her tenure as to paul and it's it's noticeable in some scenes and it's it's very vulcan like in others but there's a warmth there that i don't necessarily feel from other vulcans in that time period and i think it probably comes from her character being the first to serve among humans that closely so I, i found that pretty fascinating as you know as far as as being a star trek fan went and i'd have to say that she probably remains my favorite character to this day very good awesome so let's go ahead and get to why we're here we got your inner 
or as far as we go, maybe we've been stalling, so maybe we can study up on the side. Maybe that's what we got going on here for our Trek trivia going on, you know, uh, getting my cheat sheet ready. Got writ- got answers written all over my arm, but I don't even know what the questions are yet. So That's really the trick. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so um, we'll try and get down. We'll just we'll put a limit on it that uh, you know it's just for fun. We'll give a limit of let's just say you know thirty seconds per question. Is that what, like when you guys do it? Do, how much time do you guys give each other? Because or do you generally do it in live time? Right. I only need a few seconds. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we, no, um, I think about thirty seconds is right. Right, Bill. It, it depends. If he flounders for a while, <laughs> I'll, I'll try to cut him some slack, or at least try to you know help him along. I'll try to fill for time. You know, we usually use music in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm hoping you'll to... upload those audio samples for me so I can I can <laughs> oh, put them in. Uh, uh, for the very, very low price of $199.95, I'd be happy to. What um, if I what if I hit like on, on your page on Facebook? Oh, that'd be perfect. You haven't then. already? Yeah. yeah, really. What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> you can unlike and then like again. There you go. Uh, oh, game in the system. I see how it goes. <laughs> Well, how the questions work here is, so I've written all the questions for uh, Dan and Bill and Floyd, and Floyd's written the questions for me. Um, the questions for Dan and Bill, they're going to be completely random, so uh, everything is completely randomized there, uh, but the ones that I've written for Floyd, I've written specifically for Floyd. So uh, Floyd's going to read the first couple, like first round, and then I'll read the second, etc. So uh, we'll go through. Each question is worth one point. And uh, I will keep score here. I've got my paper. So uh, at the end, we will see who gets the ultimate World Wrestling Federation Championship belt. Wow. I've always wanted one of those. Very good. good. All right. So we'll go ahead and get this started with round one. Uh, Bill, you're up first. Okay. I'm ready. So from the episode Unexpected, Bill Tripp was the Trip was the first recorded human male to have what condition? Um, uh, I'm assuming I don't get to phone a friend. No friends. No online. I don't have any well, friends. I don't have. Yeah, that's it. I don't have any friends, especially not my podcast partner. Um, <laughs> let's see. Charles Tucker III was the first human male to become pregnant. Very good. Very good. Very good. Very good. All right. Boom. So, Bill's Steve on Holt. the board. Okay, Dan. So also from Unexpected, why was the Zerillion ship hiding in Enterprise's plasma exhaust? They had a problem with their engines malfunctioning, but um, is that good enough or is there more specifics that you need? That's a half Uh, a point. We'll give you half a point for that. If you could be a little more specific, we'll give you the other half. Gosh, I I can't think of the name of of the problem that they were having. I just know that it was an engine malfunction. I'm not so, going to make you. I'm not going to make the. I'm not going to make the crowd wait for the answer. Uh, interphasic <laughs> shielding, blah blah. blah, blah Techno babble. Boom. There you go. How's that? We were very close with the phasic. Very close. It was terraphasic coils. Oh, wow! You're terrible at this. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll wow. give him a point for that. That's pretty good. Okay, so Brandon Shea, the your first question is: What was the name of Flox's wife that visited the Enterprise? Feasel. Very good. Wow. Very good. That was I a, didn't that need was, 30 seconds. That was like a that was a beach ball. It was a beach question. ball. There you go. Okay, Floyd, my first question for you, also from Unexpected, is what malfunction does Archer experience at the start of the episode? The anti-grav plating fails and he's in the shower. Oh, you got it. Ding ding ding. Nice. Well done. Excellent. Very yes. Good. 
Okay, we're going to move on to round two. Everything's just worth one point here. We're just having some fun. From the episode Bounty from season two. Bill, which alien species did the bounty hunter belong to that abducted Archer? Oh, wow. Um, I, I, I don't think I've watched this one in a long time. Um... I might actually get this one wrong uh, because we know that I'm the champion of Geek the Stump over on Trek Geeks. Wow, really? <laughs> wow, it's it's amazing because you can be a total jerk on two podcasts. This is this is incredible. Um, was he an Orion? No. Oh, I'm sorry. 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 He was a Tellerite. That's I was right. Say Tellerite. That was the first one that that was the first time we saw Tellerites on Enterprise. It's a shame you didn't get that question then, Dan. Yes, it I is. Know. It's a good episode. No, it's not. <laughs> it's the first time you see a Tellarite. How could it not be? Oh, the Tellarite plotline is good. The Tellarite, <laughs> this is the the Ponfar. To Paul's Ponfar, early onset Ponfar is not very good. <laughs> Dan, from Bounty, how many Darsex was the Bounty on Archer? I love Darsex. That's an easy one. Nine thousand. Oh my goodness! Man. That's an easy one. I love Darsex. Holy smokes! That's awesome. I don't. I wouldn't have got that one. You couldn't name how many Zindi species there were, but you know how many Darsex there happened to be. It's because it's a cool name of currency. Your face is a Darsex. Wow. Okay. Okay. I'm just picturing this gold coin with Bill's face on it. <laughs> no, no. I th- no, no. think we know somebody who can make that happen. Uh-oh. <laughs> T-shirt time. Okay. Floyd, also from Bounty. What was the name of the ship that Scalar was trying to get back? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Apparently Dan knows. <laughs> Dan, Dan looks like Arnold Horshack and welcome back Cotter right now. Okay. So Dan's stealing this one because I have no idea. I can't I cannot remember. I can't even remember. So Dan? Dan stealing. would be it. the Tezra, I believe. Yes, and you lose one point for stealing. Oh, that's I love this. Wow. I didn't realize there could be punitive points. This is amazing. I didn't steal, he offered it to me. <laughs> Did you take it? You're not yeah. supposed to steal, apparently. And, I guess and, not. Yeah, okay. Wow. Okay, Brandon Shea, your second question. What does Mako stand for? Oh, dear. Uh, mobilized Assault Command and, and Oranges. <laughs> well, those all start with M-A-C-O. That is true. So, actually... <laughs> Hold on, let me give me one more second. Give me one more try here. <laughs> Uh, I I know that AC is Assault Command. Am I right on that, Assault Command? Yes. Okay. Military Assault Command and... Oranges. And oranges. And oranges. I'll go with Can oranges. I give him a hint? Yes. Sure. What was if that game with the red nose if you hit the funny bone? Operation. Very good. Military Assault Command Operations. Okay, I won't take a point for that. Mm. Am I going to lose a point for helping? You should lose two <laughs> yes, points. Yes, you are. You are now at zero. <laughs> Very good. All right, so round three, we go to Extinction. The episode Extinction. 
So, Bill, who beamed down to the planet in the original away team for this episode? Uh, so just uh, this is the episode where they all kind of like de-evolve into weird-looking Oh, yes, fraggles. it's like yes. Fra- Fraggle Trek. We call it Fraggles. <laughs> There's four of them. There's four of them. Um, fra- I'm trying to get past Fraggle Trek right now. Um, I'm going to say Malcolm. That's, That's one. 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 There's four. Four. There's Hoshi. That's two. Yep. There is Archer and T'Pol. You got Very it. Good. You got it. Very nice. In your face, Davidson. <laughs> wow. Yep. That's good. That's good. This episode of War 5 brought to you by your face, Davidson. <laughs> I like that. Okay, Dan. From Extinction, what is the name of the city the aliens are looking for on the Lokeek Homeworld? I'm sorry. Lokeek Homeworld. I'm not even going to waste anybody's time. I have no idea. I don't even know what the name of the planet was. So you could, <laughs> okay, so you I know. should get the point then. No. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a plan. See, we have a standing rule on Trek Geeks is that we don't do stardates and we don't do planets. So, sorry. Well, You're not on Trek Geeks. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> this, this is, is a, a city. Leaks. It's not yeah. a planet. It's a city. Yeah. Uh, wow. Semantics. Start. <laughs> Starts with a U. Does that help? Yeah. yeah. No. Starts with an Urk. Urkel? With a, starts with an Urk, ends with a what? Urkwat? Yeah! <laughs> oh, yeah, I uh, didn't know that one. Got a little help there. Okay. Negative seven points. Negative seven points. Okay, Brandon, for your round three, what was the name of Shran's ship? I have this one in the easy category. Just, you know. Dan is like, yep. That is definitely in the easy category. We just saw this episode. I we were know. just talking about it. He was in the mining consortium. He was on the bridge. Stump the Geek's not so easy now, is it, Brandon Shay? No, it's not. <laughs> Stump the Canadian. Hurry up, Pinkskin. Uh, I'm going to have to pass on it because I'm not even close. I'm going to have to pass. Starts with a K. Yes, it does. Uh, the the Kukalaka. Nope. Oh, that's a good reference to Deep Space Nine, though. <laughs> I'll allow it. I'll allow it. <laughs> the Kumari. The Kumari. Is the uh, name we of just ship. literally watched. I lost less than forty-eight hours ago. I watched Proving Ground. I don't know if you know this, but there's a great Star Trek Enterprise out, uh, podcast out there on Trek FM. You really should give it a listen because they talk I about should. stuff like this all the yeah, time. <laughs> I should. I should check it out. So, <laughs> All right. So, Brandon, you got round four? I got No, I got round three for you. Oh, I was, I was trying to jump to round four. I know you were, but I'm paying attention here. You got to wake up pretty early to pull the wool over this guy's eyes. Floyd from the episode Extinction, which crew member was stunned by the rescue party and brought back to the ship? Whoa. So one of the original four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see I see all of them on the sh- on the surface of the ship or on this planet and I'm thinking it was 
Hoshi? Incorrect. The correct answer is Reed. Reed. Oh, of course they shot Reed. I would shoot Reed too. It's me too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Okay, so I've got Dan with two, Bill with two, me with one, and Floyd with one after three rounds here. So huh. that's what I got. Round four from the episode Stormfront Part One. Oh yes. <laughs> I, it, Please, I was try, just talking to, about that episode. Try to contain your excitement, okay? <laughs> this is—I uh, don't know if you guys noticed, but uh, I've done one episode from each season here. So I—I um, I was kind of getting that, but you know, I—I I wasn't going to talk to my pitcher in the middle of a no-hitter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bill. What actual Earth historical battle did the Enterprise crew find themselves transported to in this episode? Oh my word. Um. You, th- you can think bigger because it's the broad, broad one, not the oh, small one. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, wow, that makes it so much easier. Um, the broad one. So uh, I'm gonna say World War Two. That's about yeah, as broad as I can. There you go. <laughs> I was trying to think which World War Two battle. I'm like, now wait a second. This yeah, takes place is- in New York. <laughs> um, I don't think they fought any battles in New York, but the Battle of Heros. No. no. <laughs> Great job, Dan. Everybody. <laughs> well, after Dan's reaction to the episode, now I don't quite feel so bad because I thought this one was kind of a doozy, but maybe it's not. I don't know. We'll see. What caliber of bullets did Tucker pull from the hull of the shuttle? <laughs> um, well, since it was they were P-51s, <laughs> which we just talked about, which is kind of funny, P-51s usually carry 50 cal. Oh, jeez, Louise, you got it. That's more of a history thing, more than remembering it from the I'm episode. About to say, thing. Here, here's a question: How many bullets did P- Tucker pull from the hill of the shuttle? Oh boy! I would just like to point out that my question's answer was World War II. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking five, but I may be wrong with that one. I actually don't know. I don't know. <laughs> That's the best part. You could have just said no. <laughs> what are we going to check no, memory alpha? Wrong. <laughs> I bet you it's there. <laughs> it probably is, yeah. Oh, wow. Good job. See there? I don't feel so bad. That's a good one. You're picking good, good episodes, man. I got to give you credit. Good. Okay, okay. Floyd. You here got you me go, here. Floyd. Yeah, so All right, Stormfront. All right, here we go. What's wrong with Daniel's body when he appears? He has gone <laughs> through his body. Uh, besides, like, you know, him having a double chin, eating too many Twinkies. No, he, uh, he's got, he has, he's aging, his body parts are aging at different Oh, times. good job. Right on. Nice. You got it. Yeah. Nice. Well done, sir. Well done. All right. And Brandon Shea, your round four question is, what is the name of Trip's Sister, what's her first name? Elizabeth. Very good. Woohoo! What was? Her, what, I mean, what? I, should that be what was? Wow! Her first name? <laughs> too, too soon. Too, too soon. soon. Sorry. <laughs> oh, on the speaking of the was, what was the captain's name on the uh, Shenzhou? Was? Um, is that a real question? It, I'll take <laughs> no. that for five points. Spoilers yeah, I'll take it for, for ten. Yeah. Spoilers for Discovery. Oh, yeah. No spoilers for Discovery here. Welcome to the edge, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) She got eaten. 
man, now mm. you're really spoiled. All right. You know, this is really bad. All I now have now is the Chili's Baby Back Rib song going through my head. I apologize. <laughs> oh, no. This, this just took a turn. Okay. Here we go. Round five. There's the title for this episode. <laughs> All right, round five. Bill, how many humans have survived and are living on SETI Alpha 5 in the episode Twilight? Does this have to be an exact number, or do I have a range? You just talked about it today on really? the show. Well, we, in, in, well, in the pros and something geek, we usually set these parameters ahead of time. <laughs> I've, uh, it's sorry. A, how about we give you a round number? It's a round number in your favorite episode of the series. My, fa- I'm going to say uh, around six thousand. That is a good number. That is right. That Ooh. is right. Very good. Very good. <laughs> so, Dan, how many hours did Archer spend in the agony booth in the Mirror episode, Mirror Universe episodes? Oh, in the Mirror Darkly. Oh, another one of my favorite episodes. You guys, <laughs> I know. Awesome. See, I he listen spent... to your guys's podcast. I know what your favorites oh. are. I want to say, oh, it's a long time. Uh, ten hours in the agony booth must be some kind of record. Yes. Very good. Wow. Very good, very good. Okay, Brandon oh, Shea, buckle up, man. Oh, dear. In the episode Desert Crossing, Zebral invited Archer and Tucker to his homeworld to eat dinner and play a game. What was the name of the game? Why couldn't you say that they offered them the essence of the male? Because I remember that line. Because my essence curls up inside of me every time he says that line. I don't think we want to know about your essence, Bisha. <laughs> oh, so you, you would you would rather I've asked what did they have for dinner? Yes. Oh. Well, oh, I asked man. for what game did they play. So. I'm going to be the loser of this game here, I think. Wasn't it uh, volleyball and he was playing with Tom Cruise and Anthony Edwards? <laughs> no, they, sorry, wrong movie. They may Discola have or something like that. I don't know. Say, say Discola. That again? Discola. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> you were cl- there was an SK in it. It's Gascana. Gascana. Oh, Gascana. Gascana. Hey, it was pretty close. That was pretty close. I like my Gascana with a nice balsamic reduction, preferably <laughs> with some long grain rice. Right. <laughs> oh, okay. I've got two. Dan and Bill have four. Floyd, are you going to leave me eating the dirt here? I think you. I think you might. Oh, Floyd, in the episode "Strange New World," what was the cause of the crew's delusions? Spores or pollen? A local pollen. There you go. Oh, I am eating my own dirt here in my Gascana. Medium rare. Medium rare Gascana. <laughs> yeah. Balsamic reduction. Sorry, hey, I'm sorry, Brandon. You told me to give you a hard one. That's fine. That's good. It's all good. I'm just going to go cry over here. <laughs> you know what else? Not <laughs> only do I like on my <laughs> not only do I like my Gascana medium rare, there's another G that I like medium rare. Georgiou. Oh, oh. Too soon. Too Gosh. soon. Gosh. Wow. <laughs> wow. And you know, you can write... <laughs> <laughs> warp 5 by going to track FM and hitting the contact form and selecting warp 5 from the drop down I just want to tell you that right now <laughs> and yeah 
BCA will read it on air. There you oh, go. Oh, wow. yes. You can send the hate mail to me. I'm okay with that one here. <laughs> all right. got to put a spoiler warning at the beginning of this episode, I think. <laughs> yeah. Send all hate mail to dan at trekgeeks.com. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So, Bill, Dan, thank you so much for coming on Warp 5. This was this was a lot of fun. It, uh, it was an honor and a pleasure. Um, Brandon has, has been on, on our show to... Uh, vigorously defend Star Trek Generations and <laughs> he's going to uh, to make an appearance coming up later in the season on our second podcast Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion and uh, we're looking forward to it and of course I was on The Edge uh, not too long ago mm-hmm. Cool. Very and good. Dan's uh, going to be on The Edge coming up soon and Dan was on a Melodic Treks he was. Yes, we had a great time talking Doomsday Machine. It was fun. It's great to be here, guys, and actually be on a podcast where I actually have fun with the people that I'm talking to. So I want to thank you for that uh, right from the get-go. Hey, no, welcome. I'm just kidding. Bill and I have a great time. We love it. Um, uh, we love that you guys uh, listen to Trek Geeks and Discovering Trek, and we love your stuff, and it's it's really great to be here. It's always fun to, to branch out and uh, be uh, talking with our podcast brethren, so to speak. Very good, mm-hmm. very good. So we've we've talked about your podcast, Trek Geeks. Uh, where can your, our listeners find you, or want, if they want to follow you on social media, Bill? Well, see, I can be found on uh, Twitter at Trek Geek Bill. Um, there's the standard Trek Geeks account, which is at Trek Geeks, or at Discovering Trek, which is the other show, and um, Facebook, Skype, Twitter, Instagram. My face place is uh, pretty much Trek Geeks. <laughs> Very good, very good. And Dan, where can our listeners find you on social media? Yeah, very simple. Your uh, face place. What's that? (laughs) You can find them on your face place. That would have been much better if I come up with that. (laughs) Would have been good. Or if our if our listeners are wanting to like shoot you some trivia, you know, Dan, where where, how can shoot trivia? Oh, how can how can they find you? Um, Similar to Bill, my Twitter handle is at TrekGeekDan. And, of course, uh, I keep an eye on the uh, Trek Geeks and Discovering Trek accounts as well on Twitter. We also have a great uh, Facebook page uh, for our Trek Geek group. It's called Camp Kittimer, and that can be found at facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer. So come on over and partake in all the fun and frivolity. Very good. Very good. All right. Thank you so much, Bill and Dan, for coming aboard the NX-01. We'd love to have you again sometime since... uh you know, we always always love to have Enterprise fans aboard. Provided we're not banned from the network after this particular appearance, <laughs> uh, we would love to come back right. anytime and and even deep dive on some stuff with you guys. That'd be a blast. Cool, absolutely, very good. You're here. All right, thank thank you so much. Well, Enterprise trivia is not the only thing we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. So here's what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek FM, literary treks. Yeah, so Trip, of course, is working to take down Section 31. Um, we as Star Trek fans who have watched all of the shows and read a bunch of other novels know how that's ultimately going to go. But in this story, he's, you know, kind of convinced that Harris is Section 31, kind of the be-all and end-all. He's at the top. It's his own private little army that he's constructed, and Trip is aiming to take them down. The 602 Club. And this is happening a lot more in the Star Wars books, and I I think it's because it allows them freedom, which is to do books that become character studies. And I think it's very clear that this book, in a lot of ways, is a character study of who this person is 
and what it is that causes the actions that we see in The Force Awakens to make more sense. Stage 9, a podcast about the people who make Star Trek. By getting people like Braga to come on board and work on this show, what they're going to be doing is deconstructing that, that thing that they did for all those years on Star Trek. Earl Grey. Is there anything else we need to add, or do we think that's the... Are we going to cure Riker? Or <laughs> Oh, shoot, I forgot about Riker. Yeah, sure, fine, we'll keep him around. Yeah, we've cured Riker. And then, uh, for, for me, this would, yeah, or, or not. <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they're published. And while you're there, please leave us a star rating and written review. And if you're not an Apple user, we can still get you covered. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file or grab the RSS link by visiting our website. We'd love to hear your thoughts about today's show. Do you have some Trek trivia, some Enterprise trivia for us? Uh, what what questions do you have? Can you give can you give us some easy ones? Can you give us a hard one? That that sounds like that would be a fun game to actually play on the show announcement for this show. Just go to the Babel Conference, type B A B E L into the search field on Facebook. If you're not already a member, you can join in all the fun. You can also find the network on Twitter at Trek FM and on Facebook at Facebook.com/slash Trek FM. And if you want to give us a trivia question actually a voice transmission of your trivia question b could totally add that to an upcoming episode just go to speakpipe.com slash trek fm record your message and he will get right on that please i really 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 want a voicemail <laughs> that would make me happy you could send me an mp3 or whatever but i would i would like that a lot so if you could do that I'm pretty pleased with maple syrup on top so Brendan Shea is asking pretty please. So, of course, we, we, we need to help him out there. So, you know, help us out with the boomers. Leave us a voicemail. If you'd like to send us an email, you can find the form at our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Warp 5. That will come right to us. And if you like to, what you're hearing here on Warp 5 and on the entire Trek FM network, you can help us br- keep bringing this content to you by going to patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm. To get all the details, you can see what the perks are. We have early access to episodes. Like our Warp 5 episodes are coming out so early because Brandon Shea is getting on that editing skills and he's getting them out there like weeks ahead of time. Or that's what it seems like. Is that what well, it is? Sometimes a, f- a few days, sometimes a <laughs> week, you know. I think the, the longest I got out one was like 16 days or something like that. That's, and wow. it was because it was, uh, it was a uh, commentary, which are generally pretty easy to edit so oh, okay but uh you know it's a f- it's generally a few days at least well but, i'm, I'm yeah, like i'm like blowing up your editing skills here though by bragging about you getting them out like weeks ahead of time you know but <laughs> i guess it's only days ahead of time okay but still it's I early back in time it's early content right it's early mm. content um we're, on patreon.com you can actually 
choose to be an associate producer, you can actually contribute on the associate producer level, just like Mike Morrison, Tim Cooper, Justin Oser, and Mark Flessa have done for Warp 5. So thank you so much, guys. And our we have a new co-associate producer, Joe Saltzman. So thank you so much, Joe, for joining the lineup of co-associate producers that we have for Warp 5. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'd also like to thank Tony Robinson for creating the very cool show art and Brandon Shea for editing and publishing Warp 5. Thank you so much, Brandon. You're very welcome. So, Brandon, if our listeners were wanting to shoot you some trivia questions on social media, how could they find you? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Brandon Matella. Uh, you can find me here on the network with a new show called The Edge, which is all about Star Trek Discovery. And you can find me over on the Fandom Podcast Network uh, talking Alfred Hitchcock with my friends Chris and Tom on a show called Good Evening, the Alfred Hitchcock Podcast. And you can also find us on the Babel Conference. And speaking of the Babel Conference, we do have a little bit of feedback from our Bound commentary. Uh, it actually provoked quite a bit of uh, feedback, which is pretty good, uh, as a little bit of a controversial as episode. Um, but uh, yeah, we're we're very happy to have a little bit of replies on it. So again, we're going to try and do our best to... Uh, to read our feedback. And as of the recording of this in our next episode, um, the episode after bound, which was episode number one twenty two, it hasn't been released yet. So we don't have any feedback from that one yet, but, uh, Tim Cooper said, awesome. Now that I know, now I know what I'm listening to during my evening commute. And, uh, Corey Elrod said, thanks for the shout out in the previous episode. Uh, I took the end of this episode, not as all the slave girls are actually in control, but the women are the main slave traders. It's not just the Orion men that deal in slaves. The women allow fellow females to be bought and sold. The Orion females are the main slave entrepreneurs pulling the strings behind the scenes. That was the only way that I was able to personally make it work for me. Yeah, it's an interesting, because they tried to have that continuity, right? Yep. Of how can the women actually be in charge is what they came up with. Right. Right. Yeah. It was, I, I said it so many times during that episode that it was just hard for me to get there. And I guess it's hard because that wasn't the original idea, you know, back in the sixties, they were just slave girls, but it is very interesting to think that there's these elite Orion women that are actually controlling the situation. So mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of, that's pretty neat, actually, if you think about yeah. it. That's kind of how they did it in the books as well. Right. So, um, I'm going to come back to one here from Janet Lee, but, uh, uh, Christopher Baca also said, uh, they should have just left them as slaves and not pandered. Uh, I guess they tried to reinterpret the scene in the cage when Vina corners Pike and the reference to the slave girls irresistibly in the novels. It does work better than what they tried to do on the show. Uh, Marsha Pratt says Jolene Baylock, Blaylock complained a lot about her makeup and finally in season four, they finally changed it. That's why she looks so much better in season four. Uh, and I think we had mentioned that with her outfits and stuff as well, how they kept changing. So, uh, Marsha Pratt says, Floyd, when you started talking about T'Pol's comfy velour uniform, my mind pulled up Zap Brannigan from Futurama and his velour uniform. Right. Now, every time I see T'Pol in that uniform, I'm going to think of him. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was kind That's of funny. Great. 
the reason why, and she also says, uh, the reason why T'Pol never got a proper uniform unless a director put her in one was that using Braga's description of T'Pol, she was the babe. She was cast for ratings, especially if the ratings demand that they need to sex it up more. Hence the naked scene with Trip, and coupled with their cat suit fetish, there was no way she was ever going to get a proper uniform. And I responded, but she looked so awesome in her uniform in Twilight, which she did. Yes. So. It's rather frustrating that they didn't put her in a Starfleet uniform. I mean, just like Troy in The Next Generation, right? Yep. The character looked great in the uniform. The uniform looked good on them. Yep. So, And then there was the episode where uh, Seven of Nine in Voyager, she was wearing an ep- she was wearing a uniform. Or did I see that on a book cover? <laughs> or maybe I just dreamed that she would look She's so She's wearing a uniform on the cover of the Romulan War novels. Right. And, yeah. But I, I'm pretty... Pretty sure Voyager fans that are also Boomer fans if or Enterprise fans, would you uh, let me know what episode that is on Voyager that Jerry Ryan's actually in, epi- in a... Oh, sorry. Yeah, I misheard. No, there's an episode. <clears throat> I think it's called Retrospect. Okay. I could be wrong on the title, but it's uh, it deals with time travel. Yep. And she goes back in time. I think I'm wrong on the title. Uh, she goes back in time to the Voyager when it's at space dock around in utopia planitia that's it that's it yep yeah and she's wearing a sciences uniform she's wearing a green uniform yep and i can't remember off the top of my head the name of the episode i don't think i don't think it's retrospect so see even seven of nine would look good on a uniform and we already yeah she looked good in a science uniform and even to paul to paul looks so nice in her her blue jumpsuit so yeah (laughs) Mm mm-hmm uh, now, Janet Lee uh, put some comments as well on the episode, and it was uh, uh, some interesting comments that I want to read as well. It says, uh, even if you buy the idea that the women are really in charge, it's still problematic. You can't consent when you're drunk on pheromones. But no one asked if Kelby and the other guys might have been date raped. The message I got was that sexual assault is no big deal when it's done to men. That just replaces one form of sexism with another. Would Trip really bluff to Paul when he was so sure he needed to get away? Hmm. I know, I, so it's 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 a tough question to talk about. I mean, like, I I had said in here, I'm like, well, I don't know if it really falls under the date rape category because you know there's there's a little bit of a long string here because let's just take your average Orion. Let's let's take these girls out of the equation for a second. So if their bodies are producing this natural pheromone that they can't control, mm-hmm. then is it considered a date rape thing when it's something that they can't control themselves? Now, these Orion slave girls or whatever they are, are clearly have a different intention and they are using their pheromones in a way that can, you know, help get a justifiable criminal means for themselves, right? right? So, but let's just take an average one. Like we have the Deltons. Mm-hmm. Right, and the Deltons are a very sexually active species in Star Trek as well, but they take an oath of celibacy. Now, these Orions are not in Starfleet. Yes, we see an Orion in Star Trek 2009, I know that, but for the most part, Orions are not in Starfleet, mm-hmm. right? So they don't have to take these kinds of vows that, you know, the vow of celibacy that Deltons take when they go into Starfleet. Right. Right, so now I I put it on to things, okay, well, I mean... I, as a human being, you know, if I start running around and get all sweaty, I'm going to have stinky BO and I can put on deodorant. Well, could they make like a a deodorant pheromone thing? I don't know. Like that they could wear this, you know, 
pit stick, and then all of a sudden they don't have their pheromones affecting everybody. I don't know, but so it the, led to an interesting conversation. The opposite of the Venus drug is the slave girl deodorant. Slave girl deodorant, right. I guess. Okay. So, anyways, what do you think of some of these things here, Floyd? I didn't. I never. I I hadn't connected the date rate part with that, mm-hmm. but I guess you could say you know that they're being influenced by something to act in a way that's you know. It's they're not completely in control of themselves. So I hadn't even really thought of that. That's actually right. a that's I mean, for the ones that are doing it on purpose, they are using that and they are kind of they are drugging them. I mean, they were saying that it influences them to make them want to do more than they already do or already what they already want to do or something like that. But mm-hmm. I hadn't actually I hadn't thought of it that way. Now that makes me want to go when I go to watch that episode again to think of it maybe in those terms. You know, that the the guys yeah. are victims to those elite level Orion women. Hmm. Right. They are. But see, the thing that I, I guess I don't like about that, and maybe it's, maybe I just don't like the term and maybe that's why I don't like it, but the term of being date raped, right? And that's not something that I'm ever going to experience in my life. Right. Right. You know, I mean, so I, I, I don't have experience with it, right? It's never happened to me. I don't know anybody myself who's had it happen, but we've had this trope in Star Trek, you know, times before where somebody is influenced by an external force Mm -hmm. and they act in a way that is contrary to their character's normal actions. Right. Right. And to me, this is another situation of that in that they're acting outside of their normal means, right? They're attracted to these women because, you know, they are attractive women but it's amplified because of an external force. Does that make it a date rape? Well, I don't know. I don't I don't have the answer for that, right? Right. So it could be just that I don't like the term, but it's given me something that I am thinking about, right? Right. I mean, it might and not to... it might not be exactly that or may, you know, maybe it is for Kelby since he ended up in bed with one of them, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. from that point of view. But um it I mean, there's other there's other things that people you know, like truth serum, you know, that supposedly you, you get injected with the truth serum and you, you tell the truth, you, you tell the truth, even though you don't really want to tell the truth. Cause you're kind of, you're kind of drunk acting, you right. know? So, I mean, maybe, you know, I don't really think of truth serum, you know, in, in a, uh, in a, uh, what I'm trying to say, like an interview situation or a interrogation situation is being like a date rape, you know, but it is kind of similar to it's using some chemical to make people do something that they normally wouldn't have done if they weren't under the influence of it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess that's how we could define it. Yeah. But right. All right. Anyways, it does. It's a thought provoking episode. And I mean, I think we got a lot out of it while we were talking about it. And we've clearly gotten a lot out of it after the fact as well with discussion on the Babel conference. So, uh, be sure to join us on the Babel conference and, you know, where we can have a, a conversation about it. You know, it's not the easiest topics to talk about. Right. And, yeah. you know, I'll admit it. I don't always think about these other points of views that people can have on an episode, you know, so, uh, I like being able to have these conversations with people and maybe open something up that I may not have considered before. Yep. So, so yeah, the Babel conference. So thanks Janet, Janet, thank you very much for, uh, for writing in and for commenting on the, uh, on the thread. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much boomers for your, uh, 
give us your thoughts on that because that's what we're here for. I mean, that's what Trek fans like to do. We like to try, like to give our interpretation of it. And then it makes you think completely differently about an episode. So yeah, that's the place to find me would be in the Babel conference. Uh, you can see me in other Facebook groups and around on social media, but Pro- Babel conference is a place I like to pop in and out and just to see what's going on, just to stick my head in, just to see what's happening. So thank you so much listeners for that feedback and hopefully you like this episode that we just did here with the trivia again if you want to leave us some trivia on the babel conference maybe we can we can throw some trivia out to each other on on our facebook post so boomers thank you for listening and join us again next time for another episode of warp five